I am just thrilled to death. It is possible to get our church here before 1030. (laughs) Celebrate good times. Come on. (laughs) Going to have a good time. See, we're already on our way to revival. This is a miracle. It is a sign. It is a wonder. The heavens have parted. I think Jesus is like over here and the Father and the Holy Spirit's just hanging out. It's, it's amazing. So thank you for getting here because we are we're switching things up this morning. I really felt from the Lord in my spirit that um, the message I'm going to share this morning is going to help lead us actually into worship. And, you know, a lot of times I think we, we um, and I hate this, but sometimes we think, well, worship's kind of the warm-up for the message. And it's not. Worship is a lifestyle. It's, it's not your warm-up. It's not, okay, I'm ready to hear from God. This, it, it doesn't have to be that way. And, and so today, um, I, I think the word of the Lord to us is going to prepare our hearts and to worship. And, and not just for today, but I, I hope it changes us um, forever. Because we've been on this subject of the fear of the Lord um, and, and the value it has in our life. And I know we've been kind of um, few and far between the last couple of Sundays. So I, I pray if you've not been here and you've not been listening to these messages to please go online to our website and listen to our podcast on the fear of the Lord. Um, the first one you're going to, you know, was Eric um, several weeks ago talked about the blessings and the benefits of having the fear of the Lord. And then um, about three weeks ago, I shared a message called What to Do When You're Stuck on Stupid. And it's all about the fear of the Lord and Proverbs has to say about being stuck on stupid. And I get to use that word because it's in the Bible. (laughs) It literally is in Proverbs. Go read it. I'm not going to tell you where, so you have to find it. But it's there, and so we don't want to be stuck on stupid. You know, the, the, the Bible in Proverbs says foolish. It says if you do these things and those things, then, then you're stupid, then you're foolish. And we don't want to be those kind of people. So that was about three weeks ago. Last week, um, we talked about how to make a God-fearing decision, you know, how to use the fear of the Lord to help us um, Make God-fearing decisions because I think a lot of times in my life, I just make decisions. I just do whatever I feel like, you know, and I, I feel like I have enough of the Bible in my heart that helps guide me. But sometimes I make decisions that are not God-fearing. It means, I, meaning I don't think about the fear of the Lord. I don't think about the, the magnitude of who my God is and what he's done for me. And then is this decision going to reflect the, the, the amazing stuff that he's done in my life, who he is as this awesome God. And instead, I usually make decisions sometimes with the fear of missing out is my goal. I don't want to miss out. I don't want my kids to miss out. I don't want to miss this thing or that thing. And that's bad. That is so wrong. It will mess you up. It messed Eve up in the garden. Satan came to her and said, don't you want to be like God? 
Well, yeah, I don't want to miss out on that. Well, then eat the fruit. And then the fear of man is the other big one that we use to make our decisions. I'm afraid of what people are going to think. I'm afraid of how people are going to relate to me. I'm afraid that they're going to reject me. I'm afraid of failure. Those are all in the fear of man. Being rejected and failing and punishment. I'm afraid that I'm going to get punished. That's man. That's the fear of man. And that was last week's message. So I, I encourage you to please, please, please go and, and get caught up on those messages and so, and in all of this, I've been emphasizing the book of Proverbs. That's where we're getting all this wisdom from, is, is from the book of Proverbs, you know. And, and again, the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, verse 7, and chapter 9, verse 10, it says that the fear of the Lord comes before we can have true knowledge and true wisdom. And when we don't have the fear of the Lord, we end up being stuck on stupid. And so I gave us a bunch of questions last week. So again, if you, if you didn't listen, there's a whole bunch of questions on the message that you can be, even begin to ask yourself to help you navigate what does it mean to be in the fear of the Lord when you're making your God-fearing decisions. And so... Um, yeah, and I shared if they will, that if we'll just stop, just stop and ask ourselves, what's causing me to think or act this way? Whether it's the fear of missing out, which is FOMO. Everybody say FOMO. Fear of missing out. Go ahead and say fear of missing out. Then we've got FOMA. Say FOMA. That's the fear of man. And then we've got FOLO. That's the fear of the Lord. Yes, I created the last two. I've trademarked them. I've hashtagged them. If you put them on a t-shirt, you must pay me money. <laughs> I'm just saying. But listen, you're going to use FOMO, FOMA, or FOLO to make your decisions in life. And we've got to grow in FOLO, fear of the Lord. And so today, I want to talk about the fear of the Lord in worship, Okay? And what does it really mean to worship the Lord in the fear of the Lord? And so we're going to jump right into Psalm 22, verse 23. If you want to launch the PowerPoint, there we go. So verse 23, it says, You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify Him and stand in all of Him, all you offspring of Israel. Psalm 135, verse 20, it says, O house of Levi, bless the Lord. You who fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Psalm 96 and verse 4 says, For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. We sing that one. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all of the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Psalm 147, verse 7, it says, Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. 
He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives the beasts their food to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who what? Fear him. In those whose hope in his steadfast love. Listen, over and over in Psalms, we see that worship and the fear of the Lord, they go hand in hand. And when the Bible, when the Bible describes an authentic worshiper, an authentic worshiper, it always has the fear of the Lord as an essential characteristic. And so the psalmist tells us over and over to worship the Lord with the fear of the Lord. And the psalmist tells us that God delights in those who worship and fear the Lord. Does anyone want to be delighted by God? To feel that. I mean, you already are. I mean, God already delights in you. You get that. Because of Christ, He is just, you know, over the hill for you. But if you want to feel that, because I don't always feel that. If you want to feel that delight. The fear of the Lord is going to open that up. It's going to open up your heart. So, what does the fear of the Lord and worship have to do with each other? Well, we're going to look again. The answers in the definition of that word fear in the Bible. And as we've, we've talked about before, um, the f- to fear the Lord means to be in awe and wonder of God. And Pastor Eric did a great job on his message talking about that. And I just, I loved how he said, if you don't get your awe from God, you're going to get from somewhere else. That's illegit. And I love that. But to fear the Lord, it is to be in awe and wonder of God. And the literal definition of fear in this sense means a feeling of profound respect for something or someone. A feeling of profound respect for someone or something. And in that definition, there is one particular word that captures almost the entire meaning of fearing the Lord. And it's this word. Write this down. Reverence. The fear of the Lord is reverence. Every single time you read the fear of the Lord, the amplified meaning is to worshipfully reverence the Lord. And reverence means what I said fearing God means. Reverence means to profoundly respect someone or something. Now, reverence is not a word that we hear much about anymore. 
And if, now, if you were like me and you were raised either Catholic or Lutheran, maybe Anglican or Episcopal or some other Orthodox church, then you really understand what reverence means. When you live with reverence in your life, then you, you see things as set apart unto God. You see things as holy. You see them as sacred. People and space dedicated to the Lord no longer get treated as common or with disrespect. You know, there was a day in our history as a nation that a priest or a pastor or a minister was treated with great respect in the community. You know, there was, um, even in churches, churches at one point, and again, in, and I think in some of the more traditional churches were holy places. You didn't defile or disrespect a church because it's where people were encountering the very presence of God. You know, there was a time when it was disrespectful for a man to wear a hat inside a church. Don't worry, I'm going to hit everybody. There was a time when it was disrespectful to show breasts and cleavage and belly buttons and booties hanging out of your shorts in church. There was a time. And it wasn't because the female body is sinful or evil. It was because men and women lived with reverence in their life. And they saw themselves as holy and set apart unto the Lord. That's the fear of the Lord. And if you think that what we wear in the presence of God and God's people doesn't matter, or you're being religious, or, you know, then you're not reading your Bible. If you think God has nothing to say about how we dress and conduct ourselves, then we're stuck on stupid. You know, when Moses came near to see the burning bush, God demanded that he take off his shoes because he was standing on holy ground. You know, when the Lord commanded the priests to minister at the temple, he commanded that they wear certain garments that represented the fear of the Lord and holiness. You know, if you want to, the whole chapter of Exodus chapter 28 talks about what Aaron and the priest must wear as they ministered to the Lord. I'm going to read in verse 40. Exodus 28 and verse 40, it says, For Aaron's sons 
You shall make coats and sashes and caps, and you shall make them for glory and beauty. Hmm, that's, now there's a name for a fashionable yet modest women's clothing line. For glory and beauty. Or a boutique. I like that. And you shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons with him, and shall anoint them and ordain them and consecrate them, and that they may serve me as priests. You shall make for them linen undergarments to cover their naked flesh. They shall reach from the hips to the thighs. Boom to boom. And they shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they go into the tent of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister in the holy place, lest they bear your guilt and die. This shall be a statute forever for him and for his offspring after him. So basically, what God is saying is, boys, when you minister to me, put some underwear on under your man dress. Put some underwear on under that man dress you're wearing. Now, why did God say that? Well, for one reason, when the priests would walk up the steps to the temple in their man dress, God didn't want anyone looking up and seeing a full moon in the middle of the day. Not joking. And I know we're laughing, but listen, this was serious, serious business with serious consequences. You know, Paul talks about clothing in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Peter talks about clothing in, in 1 Peter chapter 3. So if you think what you wear doesn't matter to God, then you're stuck on stupid. The fear of the Lord in worship is living with reverence in everything you do and everything you wear. You know, even when we think about like the amazing work of Christ in making a way for us to boldly enter into the presence of God. I mean, isn't that amazing? That Jesus, his blood, made it possible that we could go into the presence of God and not get snuffed out. But listen, Jesus never meant for that access to be done without reverence. Jesus did not make a way into the Father's presence absent of holy worshipful, reverential fear of the Lord. We can enter into the presence of God, but we still do it with holy fear and trembling. You know, Paul even literally says that in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now... Not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your salvation, your own salvation, with fear and trembling. I think it's unfortunate that 
as we have sought to make God approachable and accessible, that we have diminished him to not much more than a buddy or an overindulgent father. You know, we, in a lot of ways, we, we've lost the reverential fear of the Lord in our worship of him. You know, we don't think about God's transcendence, his bigness, his awesome, scary hugeness that cannot fully be understood or fully explained. And we often, we settle for God as a fishing buddy or a cosmic sugar daddy. To fear the Lord in worship means to have extreme reverence for his name and for his presence. You know, when Jesus taught us to pray, the first thing he said for us to say was, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. That is the right way to boldly approach the throne of grace. And so if we want to be true worshipers who worship the Lord in the fear of the Lord, we have to restore reverence to our lives. To fear God literally means to reverence him. And so a fear of the Lord worshiper reverences God. That is characteristic number one. Write that down. A fear of the Lord worshiper reverences God. And now we're gonna, I want to look at some other characteristics as well. But let's also keep in mind that uh, when we talk about a worshiper, we're not just talking about singing songs. I mean, worship definitely includes singing. But we need a much broader understanding of worship. And when I say broader, I don't mean diluted or generic or general. I mean the command to worship God with the fear of the Lord is much deeper and more expansive than just singing songs. So let's look at a few of these other characteristics. So the next characteristic is this. A fear of the Lord worshiper lives out holiness. A fear of the Lord worshiper lives out holiness. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in what? Reverent fear. 
When we become born again, when we are born again believers, Jesus makes us holy. Can someone say amen? amen. Holy is our brand new status. But listen, just like any other part of our identity, we still have to live out who we already are. Every person who is saved by Jesus is a son or daughter of God, right? Is that true? But sometimes it takes a lifetime to quit living like an orphan and start living like a child of God. Anyone had that experience? The same applies to our holiness. We have to make conscious decisions every day to live out my holiness, my brand new status. I mean, that's why it's in our mission statement as a church. Live holy. It's not be holy. You already are. It's live holy. Live it. Let it out. So think about those words from Peter. He says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. And all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here on the earth. That's what we are. We are now foreigners here. This is not our home. Live out this time. You're on this rock in reverent fear. See, Peter knows that holiness and reverent fear go hand in hand for all of us who truly seek to worship the Lord. Amen. Let's look at another characteristic. Fear the Lord worshiper. Thanks God for everything. Now, I'm going to show a video it's not a Christian video, but it is an amazingly true video. So hit the lights and try that video. How many times have you heard someone say, we want to make a better world? It is a noble sentiment, but very hard to achieve, right? Well, actually, it's quite easy. All we have to do is increase the one human Amen.
Is that profound? <clears throat> you know, 
I find every time in my life that anger is starting to rise up in my heart with a person, situation, I can always trace it, really, if I'm honest, I can trace it down to, I felt like this person owes me something, whether they know it or not. Every time I get mad, it's because things should have gone differently for me. And so, I have to go through this process of erasing that debt, even when that person or thing doesn't realize they have one with me. Every time you are angry with someone, I promise you, it is because you think they owe you something. And you may say, nope, I've written that person off. Guess what? If you're still angry, they still have a debt. There is no doubt about that. So when you think about a boss, a pastor, a leader, a child, a spouse, whatever, the government, the law, the system, whatever, and you get angry and it's not right and this is not fair and I deserve to be angry, think, well, what do I think this person or this thing owes me? Now, what Dennis Prager you know, may or may not know is that, again, he is touching on a profound biblical principle. And it is the principle of thanksgiving. And when you study worship in the Bible, you will find the word thanksgiving popping up everywhere. Let me give you a few. Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with what? And his courts with praise. Give what? Thanks to him. Bless his name. Psalm 95, 2. Let us come into his presence with what? Come on, say it loud. And let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Psalm 147, 7. Sing to the Lord with what? Thanksgiving and make melody to our God on the lyre. The scriptures are clear. Fear of the Lord worshiper lives a grateful life. And there is a scripture I think that really sums this up just amazingly. And it's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 says this. Therefore, let us be what? Grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We have a kingdom. It can't be shaken. It's not affected by depression or the stock market or government people or anything. We're in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So be grateful. Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with what? Reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. That is a fear of the Lord worshiper. They're grateful for the kingdom. They're grateful for their salvation. They're grateful for their healing. They're grateful for living in the best nation on the planet. A fear of the Lord worshiper worships God with thanksgiving. They live grateful to God for 
everything. They thank God for their job. They thank God for their spouse. They thank God for their friends, their church. They thank God for their city. They thank God for their nation. They thank God for their Bible. The, all 12 of them that sit around your house. They thank God that they have a place that they can come and worship God without fear. A fear of the Lord worshiper thanks God for everything. Say everything. The ungrateful person is stuck on stupid. We are going to pray for them, brother. Because they don't have the fear of the Lord. But no one has to stay stuck on stupid. No one. Every day is a new chance to be grateful for what you have. To thank God for everything. Thanks for this bed. Thanks for this house. Thanks for my clothes. Thanks for my toothbrush. I mean, you just get in the habit and then you're happy. Just get in the habit of thanking God for everything. You will be a happier person. And not because Dennis Prager says it, because the Bible says it. Every day we can be grateful for everything God has given us. A fear of the Lord worshiper thanks God for everything. Next, a fear of the Lord worshiper obeys God. Now, going back to what I had said earlier, that we have to broaden our understanding of what God and the Bible considers worship. One of the most important acts of worship is obedience. For instance, when God told Abraham to sacrifice his son, Abraham obeyed. So he took his son and he took some servants with him and they went to the mountain that God said to go to. And when it came time to obey God, Abraham called it worship. Genesis 22, verse 5. Then Abraham said to his young men, his servants, he said, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. See, God places a high, high value on obedience as worship. You know, I can't help but think about the tragic story of King Saul when God told him to go and destroy every living thing among the evil Amalekites. And so Saul and his army, they went and they destroyed every living thing but took King Agag of the Amalekites. And they took the best of the sheep and the oxen and didn't destroy them. And so when the prophet Samuel came to see him after the battle. So here's what Saul said. 1 Samuel 15, verse 13. He 
And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. We'd all be excited, wouldn't we? Swiped out a city for God. Did what he said. Well, Samuel had a very different response. In verse 14, he said, And Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Saul said, Well, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and and the rest we've devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, Speak. Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, and you are not the head of the tribe, are you not? the head of the tribes of Israel. The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I've gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, the sheep and the oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Now imagine, if there were 100,000 people in that, in that city. And the army destroyed 99,999 of them and left just one person alive. Most of us would say exactly what Saul said. I obeyed the Lord. I mostly did what God said. I mean, mostly, like, I did. But that isn't God's perspective. In fact, the prophet tells us what God's perspective is. Verse 22, said Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. So listen. The bottom line for King Saul and for all of us is this. You obey what you fear. See, Saul was a king who had the fear of man 
all over his life. Because why? How do we know this? Because Saul said, the people, the people wanted the sheep and the oxen. I just let them have their way. I didn't stop them. And this wasn't the first time. There was another battle they were going into. And before they could go into battle, the prophet had to come and offer a sacrifice to God so they could be successful. And so it was getting battle time and there's no prophet. And guess who's worried? King Saul. Who's he worried about? The people. What are they going to think of me? And so Saul takes it upon himself to go, hey, I got a bright idea. I'm going to do what's not mine to do. I'm going to pretend to be the prophet, and I'm going to offer the offering. And lo and behold, the minute he strikes the match, guess who shows up? The prophet. Saul was a guy who had the fear of man all over his leadership. You know, again, I'm going to refer to last week's message about the fear of the Lord. The great, listen, the greatest enemy of the fear of the Lord is the fear of missing out and the fear of man. Those are the greatest enemies. You know, most people, we don't fully obey the Lord because we fear missing out on something. I mean, seriously. Or we fear what people are going to say or think. It's that simple. But the fear of the Lord worshiper knows that full obedience to what God has said in his word and what he speaks prophetically is essential. Amen? Amen. Let's look at another one. A fear of the Lord worshiper recognizes sacred space. Now, in the Old Testament, sacred space had to do with geography. You know, when Moses saw the burning bush, um, which was the very presence of God, Moses was told to take off his shoes because it was holy ground. The geography, literally, because the presence of God was there. Whenever, where, wherever God is, that becomes holy ground in the Old Testament. And the ultimate expression of sacred space in the Old Testament, it was the tabernacle. It was the tent or the, the temple. Because inside was the Ark of the Covenant. And only the high priest could go in and offer a sacrifice for all the people. And if the priest wasn't cleansed before he went in, he died. So... <clears throat> Sacred space was the geographical presence of God. The idea of sacred space comes into the New Testament too. In a very dramatic way. And so we have to ask ourselves now, where is the presence of God right now? Well, we know God is everywhere, right? But He specifically dwells within every believer believe it or not you are sacred space 
Paul very clearly wrote in 1 Corinthians 16, 19, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And you know, the same is true of geography or the ground where believers gather as a group. You know, writing to the church at Corinth, Paul told them collectively, you are God's temple. He told the Ephesian believers that they were members of the household of God, that all of them coming together, you are a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you also are built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So these implications are very powerful. Most of us, you know, we're familiar with Jesus' statement, you know, when two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst, right? We're very aware of that. But listen, when we view it in the context of the Old Testament idea of sacred space, that statement means that wherever believers gather, the spiritual ground they occupy is sanctified. It's sacred. A fear of the Lord worshiper recognizes sacred space. When we enter this room and we gather, this space becomes holy ground. It becomes a sacred place for God and us. When we praise and worship and come to the altar for prayer, or we just bow down to the Lord, we are creating sacred space. Listen, this is why we ask people to stop talking during the worship. Stop. Just quit your conversations because we are coming together into God's holy presence as God's holy people. That's why we ask people to, to take your conversations in the foyer when God is ministering to people up here. Recognize this sacred space and shut up. Yes. The fear of the Lord worshiper walks in reverence and recognizes that this is holy ground because God's holy people are meeting with their holy God. Amen? Next. A fear of the Lord worshiper reveres the reading preaching, and teaching of the Word of God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be what? Be what? Honored, just as it was with you. Now, if I had a soapbox, I'd be standing on it right about now. Listen, if one of the biggest indicators that the fear of the Lord is missing in the church is that people do not honor the preaching and teaching and reading of God's word. If there is one thing that makes me want to turn over tables like Jesus, 
It is when people come to church just for worship and then they leave. I want to whip. <laughs> How dare you dishonor the word of God. I cannot understand how people find enough time. They get ready to get to church. They get their worship on, and then they can't afford another 45 minutes or more to hear God's word preached. I don't understand that. Hearing the preaching and teaching of God's word is so important at least it is to me. It is so important that it is non-negotiable if you want to be on this worship team. If you want to be on this worship team, you must attend church faithfully. Not once every three weeks. Faithfully. And on the Sundays that you sing or play, you have to stay for the whole service. You don't get to come and do your thing and then check out. See, I'm not raising up rock stars who come and do the gig and then they go on. I, we, say we, we, we are raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God. That's what we're doing. And a fear of the Lord worshiper is a radical, passionate, aggressive lover of God who reveres, who honors, who stands in awe of the preaching and the teaching and the reading of God's word. That's who we are. That's what we are raising up here. And so we have to be a fear of the Lord worshiper who says the word of God is most important. And not just here, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. There's no fear of the Lord when you got 12 Bibles at home and none of them have been touched. All right, let's quickly move on. So the next, a fear of the Lord worshiper obeys the command to worship the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Fear the Lord worshiper obeys the command to worship the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So several months ago, I gave a prophetic exhortation during worship and we kind of sang it as a prophetic song. And I shared why that why don't we worship the Lord like all of our dreams just came true? You remember that? All of his promises are yes concerning you. You know, when I don't feel like singing or worshiping, I have to put that thought in my head. You know, I come to church angry, entitled, ungrateful. And I try to imagine, you know, because my life's not fair. Things didn't go the way I wanted them to go this week. Money didn't happen. People hurt me. I don't feel like worshiping. 
I try to go, but what, did I, what would happen if everything I did want in this life was right here? How would I act that moment? Well, I'd turn a switch just like you would. That's how easy it is. I mean, don't pretend like you don't know how. You can be barking at your spouse or your kids, blah, 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 and the phone rings, you go, hi. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's okay. No. Really? Oh, oh, that's amazing. Oh, my. Praise God. From whom all blessings flow. Pastor Tom, that word was so good, wasn't it? Amen. All right. Good. Awesome. Okay. See you later. I hate you. Where are you? Don't tell me you can't turn that on and off like a switch. So when you show up here pouting like a big baby, it's time for the fear of the Lord to touch our life and obey the command to worship with everything we have. And so I have to imagine to get out of that pity party, man, what, if, what would I think and feel? How would I be acting if all the dreams came true? That gets me happy. They are. God has blessed me with every blessing from heaven. You know, sometimes I even try to imagine myself in heaven. You know, I'm dead. <laughs> that makes me happy just like right now. Like, I'm dead. I'm in heaven with Jesus. <laughs> I try. I try to think about that place. I try to think about all my pain and my struggles and my sin, my sadness. It's all wiped away. And then I try to imagine millions and billions of people and angels all together in this ocean of, of rolling hills covered with lush green grass. And I imagine entire people groups, a million and a billion, all like just, they're just together and you're just, and they are in their native tongues singing praise to God. And they are, are meshing and everything's coming together as they're singing to God and they're dancing. They will be dancing. I mean, that, that dumb thing, dance like nobody's watching. You can, you can do it. Close your eyes. There's no one. With, I'm all alone. It's all you got to do to pretend. But I imagine these, everyone coming together, singing and dancing in their native tongues, and it's all meshing into this sound that, that is reverberating, and it's shaking stars and planets are shaking. The universe is receiving it. I try to imagine that day when the fear of man it's no longer hindering my worship. And if you're honest, that's what's doing it. You are afraid to look silly. You are afraid to be demonstrative. You are afraid to let loose because of what people think. That's it. That is the only thing keeping you back from giving everything to God. Worshiping him like there is no tomorrow. 
you're afraid of what people think in this room. And maybe you've been one of those people who've judged. Repent so you can be free. I ask myself, what kind of worship will I offer on that day? And when I get that picture, I bring it right back here where I am, and I do my best to give God everything he deserves. We have to push out the fear of man and be fear of the Lord worshipers who worship the Lord with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, and my strength. These things cannot coexist. This is water and oil. You will either diminish your worship because of the fear of man, or you will grow your worship because of the fear of the Lord. And a fear of the Lord worshiper obeys the command to worship with everything and in every way. You know, I said earlier that singing is not all that worship is, but it is a significant part. And if you never open your mouth in worship, you are violating the command to worship. And I could list scripture after scripture that commands that we sing, that we praise, that we thank, that we shout, that we confess, that we declare, that we pray, that we make a joyful noise. And we are to do it loudly. Everyone say loudly. As the Bible commands you. These are not suggestions. This isn't a menu of options just to choose whatever you feel like. What would monsieur like today? Oh, I'd like nothing. Just give me water. God himself decided how he was going to be worshipped. He decided, and he put it in his book. And a fear of the Lord worshiper fully obeys the command to worship. Listen, we have been marked as a people of his presence. That is a defining characteristic of New Covenant Worship Center. We are a people of his presence. We have been marked as forerunners for the coming move of God. We have been asked to restore Biblical worship. We have been marked as forerunners for the coming move of God. You know, when King David danced his clothes off, I'm looking forward to that service. (laughs) Remember, guys, wear your underwear. You know, when David danced his clothes off in worship, worship, his wife Michael was ashamed of him and tried to confront him and put shame on him as well. And here's what David said in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 21. David said to Michael, it was before the Lord. Say, it's before the Lord. Our worship is before the Lord. David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your dad. Ooh, zing. (laughs) Stick it to her. Your dad's not king anymore. I am. 
It's the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me to rule over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more what? What? Undignified. I will be even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. This is a guy who doesn't have the fear of the Lord, man. He does not have the fear of man. But these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held up in honor. And, as, and Michael, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. When we're judging worship and other people, be careful. Unfruitfulness may touch your life. You open yourself for the enemy to come and take it away. To steal it from us. David was a fear of the Lord worshiper. Michael was consumed with the fear of the man. And she was barren for shaming and judging David's worship. So let us follow the fear of the Lord like David. Let us forsake the fear of man like Michael. Because a fear of the Lord worshiper obeys the command to worship with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. All right, so let's summarize. Fear the Lord worshiper. They walk in reverence with God and his people, they live out holiness. They thank God for everything. They fully obey God. They recognize sacred space. They revere the reading, preaching, and teaching of the word of God, and they obey the command to worship the Lord with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, I'm going to give you some real practical stuff, people. So, man, I'm going to talk to you for a moment. So please pay attention. Men, we need you to lead your family in worship. God has uniquely made men. He put in us the ability to endure suffering and to literally lay our lives down for what is right. That's what we do. We suffer we die. We would die for our wives. We would die for our children. We would die for our best buddy. We would even die for our nation. And when God formed man out of the dust of the earth, he put resolve in us. He put courage and strength in us. So I get confused when I act this way and I get confused when we act this way. When we come to church and we don't act like men, we act like children. Because sometimes we're pouting and we're sulking about our life. While the rest of the church is worshiping the Lord. We never open our mouth. 
Don't utter a word of praise or gratitude to the very God who gave you life, who gave you a wife, who gave you a family, and who gave you an income. It is time to man up and lead our families in worship. If you sit and check out while the rest of us praise God, what do you think your children are going to do? They are going to check out too. Worship, listen, worship is not women's work. So don't make it all of her responsibility to motivate your family to get to church. Show your children you fear the Lord by helping out and getting here on time. Ephesians 5, listen up dudes. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a, min- a mystery. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Listen, did you know, men, that the day that you said, I do, was the day you got drafted as worship leader for your family? You may think, well, that's not fair. Well, guess what? It's not. No draft is fair. I mean, think about it in America. The privilege of living in the freest nation in the world comes with the responsibility to defend its right to exist. When you got married, dudes, and had the privilege of making babies with that pretty young thing, you also got drafted to lead your family in the fear of the Lord. Like it or not, we will be weighed and measured at the end of our lives for how well we did our duty. And the best way to lead our families in the fear of the Lord is to first lead yourself. Lead yourself to the altar of worship. Bow your head low. Submit your life to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Don't let shame keep you from running your race. God does not see us as failures. And I know that's what we struggle with. He sees us as He made us in Christ. We are men of honor. We are men of strength and sacrifice and full of the fear of the Lord. So let's just repent for our past and get back in the battle. Let's be a fear of the Lord worshiper. Amen? Young men, let me talk to you. If you're not married... Listen, start leading yourself into worship and in the fear of the Lord. Do not let the fear of others around you determine what kind of worship you will be. Don't allow the fear of man to define you. Don't let the fear of missing out shipwreck your all in your reverence of God. You are the future of the church. So it's time to learn now, young guys. To man up and become a worship warrior. Be a worship warrior. You know, let your worship become an arrow in the hand of God Almighty. Let your tongue be a two-edged sword in the hand of your conquering king to destroy the gates of hell. 
You are destined to cut off the giant's head and eat giants for your bread. And only the fear of the Lord in worship will make you fearless against the dark enemies of God as you bow down low and you swear your allegiance to the Son of God. All right, women. We need your worship to be fierce. You are also fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. So do not let the drama of life drown out your extravagant romance with the Lord. Don't let your children or your husband or your friends drown out your passion for Jesus. Make time for yourself in the Lord. Don't neglect your connection with God. Because I know you're busy. My wife is very busy. I know you are busy, but the distractions are always going to be there. They are never going to leave. And a fear of the Lord worshiper puts first things first. And they order their day. And when it comes to your husband, I'm asking you women to please encourage him. Encourage him in his leadership. Ask him curious questions about what the Lord is speaking to him. Ask him how we as a family can walk in the fear of the Lord more. And thank Him for worshiping and praying for you. Thank Him for modeling the fear of the Lord. Thank Him for sacrificing and providing. That's the fear of the Lord working in His life. Going to work every day at a job He probably doesn't like. But listen, you do not have to go away, ladies, so that He can arrive. You don't have to be small so he can be big. That's ridiculous. And don't let your husband shame or blame you for going after God too much. You both can be big and powerful. God-fearing worshipers. Now listen, if you've got control issues going on and you don't want your husband to be the man of God that he's supposed to be, then you're stuck on stupid. <laughs> and I ask you to please get some healing for that. But don't think for a minute that you have to be small and powerless so your husband can be big and powerful. Be fierce in your worship and never let up. Proverbs 31.10, an excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of his life. And young ladies, let me talk to you for a moment. Remember what I said last week? I, I said your body is not a billboard for cheap and easy love. Your body is the temple of the Lord. Your greatest assets are not on the outside. They are hidden deep within you. They come from the fear of the Lord. So honor yourself and others by how you dress and how you conduct yourselves. 
you can dress fashionable and not advertise for cheap love. The fear of the Lord, young ladies, will be your greatest weapon against compromise and mistakes that change your life forever. There is a revolution of young women who who are rising up and they know their God and they know who they are in God. So don't let the world define you. Be like these women and rise above the filth of our culture and and be a woman of honor who fears the Lord. Listen, no boy deserves you who doesn't have the fear of the Lord himself. No boy deserves you who doesn't honor you enough to discover the value of who you are deep in who you are, deep in your spirit. You know, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his or her body in holiness and honor, not in the passionate lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. 1 Corinthians, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have fear have from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. Young ladies, you are to be fierce in your worship. And listen, young men and women, you have such an advantage right now to be singular in your focus of the Lord. You can be so radical, passionate, and aggressive in your love and worship of the Lord as a single person. You have very little keeping you from being a fear of the Lord worshiper. And so I urge you to please be as radical as you can in your devotion to God. The cost of following Christ is high, but you will never regret it. You will never regret saving yourself for marriage. You will never regret not abusing alcohol and drugs. You will never regret protecting your eyes and heart from sin. So do not let the fear of missing out or the fear of man steal your future. And listen, if you've sinned, God can heal those wounds, and we can start all over. Listen, it is a lie to think that you are broken and stained and irreparable, never to be whole again. That is a lie. God heals and redeems everything, everything. And today can be a brand new start. Be a fear of the Lord worshiper. Come to the altar today and be healed and forgiven. Amen. Amen. Amen.